welcome back to a should be very special but probably isn't very special and probably should be very short but probably will just be a moderate length episode of uncanny tracks where we talk about the superman show from 2023 that is to say the animated superman show not the uh, live action superman show matt i was having an existential crisis because i realized people might think i was sexist and not willing to say superman and lois because you know i like hate lois or something and no that's not the case i just hate the title of this stupid cartoon so we're talking about the superman cartoon the penultimate episode of season one zero day part two i'm bob in cascadia that's matt in the southland matt how the hell are you doing tonight Doing all right, Bob. Uh, this episode uh, hit the strange territory, but too much for me. But we'll go into it as we discuss the coverage. And well, a little strange makes the relationship better, Matt. Sometimes, yes, when it's done correctly. But this, this, this is not so much. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence still, Bob. But I'm just kind of falling more towards one side now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to kind of start with, we have uh, Superman in a very bondage style captive captivity device um, back at tax, Task Force X. And uh, we have this whole flashback about General Sam Lane, who we're still just calling him Sam, right? They haven't called him Lane yet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely Sam Lane. That's just what they're going for with this. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're really holding off on the, re- on the reveal of that last name. But we have this whole flashback about Sam Lane and Mandy Waller or Amanda Waller or the Walls relationship. And I, I, I don't care for it, man. I don't care for it. Yeah, just the whole calling her Mandy thing is weird uh, for me personally. And just in, like just the name itself is like it doesn't fit the character. <laughs> yeah, I also like this is very weird and specific to me, but like. Like, the wall, like, in the comics is, like, a political creature, right? Like, she's she's a widow in, I think, a St. Louis or a Chicago slum, and she, like, manages to crawl her way out, like, start working for a congressman, and then find out about uh, Task Force X and kind of, you know, basically blackmail Reagan into letting her take it over. Yeah, but not and here, Bob. Not here. Not here. Here she's just a troop, Matt, because it's, you know— <laughs> It's the 21st century in America, and everybody cool just has to be a troop. And, I, yeah, I don't really care for that. The dog tags prove it, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Although, I guess I could, you know, maybe they're supposed to be Marines. Maybe they're supposed to be troops. I'm not, I'm not sure, nor, nor does the distinction matter to me. We do have this whole thing, Matt. It's zero day. Yes. And so zero day turns out to be a combination Kryptonian invasion of Earth, the destruction of Krypton, and Superman's arrival on Earth. And I assume we will get more details about Zero Day in subsequent seasons. Maybe not next week, but probably in subsequent seasons. But Matt, what are your thoughts on Zero Day? All right, well, I was okay with the invasion piece because they the ships and things were so unique. And I've complained before like how we're not very creative with like alien species coming in, you know. Mm-hmm. These were really cool ships. I don't know how they were, how they operated. They were... But I do know they like shot spikes into the planet, and these spikes turned into these crazy Kryptonian robots. Uh, that was yeah. Really I really cool. liked the Kryptonian robots too. They had this kind of like weird geometric design where like they form out of these uh, form out of these spikes or <laughs> form out of these uh, kind of obelisk. That was really cool, and you know, 
we and especially me have been very down on this show for its uh, lack of imagination and designs and its kind of bland animeness. And I, I will say that definitely they did something with the Krypton stuff. You, you, you can't take that away from them. They really did something with it. It's very cool. Yeah, and even their ship is like a strange shape that I've. Uh, you rarely see things like that, you know, in, in most sci-fi mediums where it's like a two disconnected pieces. Yeah, but thought, thoughts on Zero Day being all three things at once: the the invasion, the destruction of Krypton, and Superman arriving on Earth. Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> Way too much for me at one time. I, and, they, and then there's that one guy, or I'm sorry, maybe it's not a guy. I don't know, but there's that one Kryptonian who kind of looks like Superman, but has yeah. like a full armored suit and his face is covered. Yeah. Will it be revealed to be Zod or will it be revealed to be Jor-El? Time yeah. will tell, I suppose. Or is it Time Superman X, folks? Is that Superman X? You know, Matt, I don't think Superman X is coming back. I think he's I think he's safe on our Legion of Superheroes coverage, and I don't think you're going to see him anywhere else. So you don't need to go all time travel with it? No, no. I think... I, I think I, I think uh, my exposing you to Legion has warped your mind, Matt. Apparently so. I think. I think everyone's going to come from the future and change things. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know if I fully agree with you that it's too much. I mean, it is. You're you're right that it is a lot, but it is an interesting spin on the Superman mythos that I haven't seen before, and I do appreciate that. You know, we'll see how they handle it in future seasons, but there's. It's interesting to me. Like, it's an interesting spin. I will say one angle of it that I don't love is that the result of this is basically that, you know, Superman needs to check his Kryptonian privilege. And, you know, he has a lot of Kryptonian guilt for what his people did. And, you know, I think the contemporary resonances of that uh, that the show uh, wants you to take away or to feel are very obvious and uh, pretty ham-handed. And I, so I, w I was kind of annoyed by... And also, just in general, I'm kind of annoyed by attempts to make characters like Superman and Batman into beings driven by guilt, which, you know, basically is just to make them like Spider-Man and Daredevil, whereas I think I don't think Superman and Batman need to be, like, driven by guilt to be great heroes. Does that make sense? You mean more like Marvel? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, especially Spider-Man and Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, well, Bob, if you're going to fly around and be indestructible with laser eyes, you got to make sure you put things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. So you get, you got to do the privilege walk. You got to you know outlay all the all the microaggressions you've done against your human friends. You know, yeah. and you've got to you've got to always. This is the most important thing about checking your Kryptonian privilege, Matt. You've got to always, always, always make any human friends you are ever unfortunate enough to have really, really self conscious and always thinking at all moments about how they're human and you're Kryptonian and you know, just calling attention to it in the most awkward ways. That's that's what it means to be a good human ally, Matt. Remember that. That's right. And give your best friend a cuff to, so that you could be in contact with him at all times. <laughs> so it uh to go from the I don't know if we're going from the sublime to the ridiculous or the ridiculous to the sublime, but uh it looks like Livewire took Deathstroke the Terminator's eye. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm glad for that. You, uh I I don't know. Yeah, I, good for my her, interest good for in Task Force X in this in this episode, I I don't know. I I think ultimately what this show comes down to, man, is it's like a pretty good depiction of Superman, pretty interesting depiction of Superman, and you know, by extension, Lois and Jimmy. 
but like as a depiction of like every other character uh, in that the show sucks in, I mostly don't care for it. Yeah, I just have no interest in them. Like I, I barely saw the whole Deathstroke. I think because he was only in the show for like a second when they were escaping. Yeah, yeah, and again, Deathstroke sucks. I don't care what they do with him, but no. to, I, I don't know. Like I feel like if I were a Deathstroke fan, I would not be like. I would not be big happy over him just being like a flunky for the for the Suicide Squad, right? Like Deathstroke's like a kind of independent dude usually. Yeah, like he I mean, even, it doesn't. Fit. Yeah, yeah. Again, not that I care because Deathstroke's a terrible character. I'm so t- I'm so <laughs> tired of him. But but if I did care, I, I might make that observation. Um, I will say, although although I was just very very negative. And I, you know, to continue in the negative vein, I'm not sure how Parasite being Professor Ivo in an Iron Man suit makes him turn into a kaiju, but him as a kaiju is a hell of a lot cooler than him as Iron Man or a Pokemon. And so, you know what? I accept it. I'm here with it. Parasite is a kaiju. It's got potential. I, I had fun with it. Yeah, this is when it got really stupid for me. Like, I knew you would appreciate the kaiju, but it was enlarged just so you could see Ivo getting missled out by Superman and then his creation turned into this stone which I don't know what they're going to do with that are we going to have like is after Superman defeats things do they just turn to stone like I, what the hell I, I, I don't know if that's an anime trope but it sounds very much like an anime trope <laughs> it I, just so made that, my brain it made my brain hurt and I just didn't like it <laughs> I have a I have a thematic justification for the parasite kaiju growing but I want to save it because it's part of a grand unified reading so I, I want to save that so I'm just going to ask did all the spikes on the Parasite Kaiju, did it remind you of Doomsday a little bit? Not at the time, but like I can see where you're coming from with it. Yeah, maybe they won't, but if they do, I could totally see them doing Doomsday in a similar way to this. So Bob, you know, all these characters from Task Force X have technology from Krypton. Yes. So if these are all characters that have other origin stories in the comics as to how they get their gear or how they you know, become what they are, they're usually more magical or supernatural. Well, not, not, no, just, no, just, sil- just Silver Banshee. Yep. Everybody else is usually like sci-fi stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. But even though now I know where the technology came from and they're trying to, like you said earlier, make Superman feel guilty. Do you think that was the right way to go? Or are you still leaning more I th- towards I can see why they feel like they need to, because this is like the same sort of thing that like, I guess X-Men in a way kind of pioneered at first with all of the villains being mutants, but then ultimate Spider-Man sort of does it too, right? Where it's like, instead of it being like 30 lab accidents that created the Spider-Man rogues gallery, it's just the one. Yes. And so it's a similar principle in the abstract. I it's even, I don't care. I, I would question like including silver Banshee, but sure. In the abstract, I, I fine have like, you know, Parasite and Metal Zero and whomever else be a product of Kryptonian stuff. That seems conceptually fine. I just think the execution for a lot of these characters has either just been bland and I feel nothing, which is the case with like Rough House and um, Heat Wave, just because I don't really know those characters and I don't really care. Or they've just been actively super, super generic to this point, which is, I've, you know, because I, I think, I don't think they're amazing, but I think villains like Livewire, Silver Banshee, and Parasite are like solid B-plus players in the Superman drugs gallery. And with the exception of the Parasite Kaiju, just nothing about this has been good or interesting. It's just been mediocre and out of character. 
Yeah, I think you really hit it with the word generic. That's how I feel about most of these characters, like in the task in Task Force X. And so, uh, Bob, if this episode had been early in the season, do you think we would have been watching it now? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I probably still would have encouraged us to, but you might have been more resistant to. That would be. Would you? Would you does that sound right? Probably about right. I'm not as on this. And the big thing that really sealed this episode for me, not liking it, was this flame bird thing. <laughs> <laughs> and saving the city that way. What you you, you don't like you don't like the fact that the, this episode makes Elon Musk the true hero of the Superman universe because he introduced live streaming to Flamebird.com, which allowed Jimmy to appeal to the city to save it. Like there was so much <laughs> wrong with that. You're I mean, it, it's so it's totally saying that everyone in Metropolis has Flamebird and follows exactly what Flamebird tells them to do and then it works in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is Flamebird asked everyone to turn off all their power. You know, turn off your lights, anything electric that you may have going, because that is what Parasite is feeding off of. Okay, I don't I, I'm not an electrician, but I'm pretty sure electricity doesn't work that way. But I'm not gonna go into that. I'll suspend my disbelief there. But you're telling me that all these people, all at the same time, look to Flamebird in this <laughs> one account and say, oh, okay, he's right. <laughs> no. Well, 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 Matt, if it's the fundamental liberal fantasy. If you call Donald Trump a Cheeto enough times on Twitter, one day everyone will listen and realize that, you know, goddammit, we put a goddamn Cheeto in the White House and we can't do that again. <laughs> yeah, but, but come on, Bob, how many... How many People know Cheeto, but how many people know like Crooked Hillary or Crooked Joe Biden or whatever the hell he comes up with next? Hey, it's sleep. It's sle I mean, he Joe Biden is crooked, but it's Sleepy Joe Biden. Thank sleepy you, Sleepy Joe. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> yeah, I I will say that they are trying to do a pretty common Superman trope. The example that comes to mind to me is I think at the end of uh, Grant Morrison's Justice League uh, World War Three story, where it's like everybody has to unite to help the heroes or to help Superman. I think it's especially a common trope for Superman. And I know that they think mediating that through their Twitter knockoff makes it more realistic. But no, if you want to do that trope, you should just do that trope. You shouldn't like promote an off brand of a terrible platform in order to do it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, I agree hundred percent. So I, I want to be clear to the listeners when I say this, I'm, I'm being kind of ironic when I say this, but it's not necessarily that the show has a lot of woke propaganda, but that like, I feel like it's doing it poorly. And I, I just felt like I haven't really felt like that for most of the season. I mean, there's been some rhetoric about like, you know, Superman needing to accept his difference and him, you know, wanting to be normal, but realizing that's a, you know, that's a coercive or a bad category, which, you know, that's fine, whatever. That's standard woke stuff. And it's also not handled too badly here. So I, I, I didn't mind it. But I thought this episode was just like super, super preachy, both with like Superman discovering his true nature and you know, basic, that being a very obvious stand-in for, like, uh, white privilege and all the limitations and weirdness that sometimes attach to that term. And then I also thought it was crazy. Are you familiar with, like, right-wing conspiracy theories about blackouts? Not, not, not really, no. 
basically the the idea goes is that the lockdowns for the coronavirus were just practice for like future blackouts that we will have and future lockdowns that we will have and that these will be justified by climate change right and so the idea you know like oh we're we're we have too much energy so this needs to be tamed and i i just thought that was really wild that basically they do have to do like a climate lockdown <laughs> to stop parasite and also like the fact that parasite just keeps growing and expanding you know clearly it's an allegory for america's fossil fuel consumption right clearly bob clearly that's what they were going for but i i don't know if if i were a right winger i would be uh, i would be super angry about this woke show preaching to my children since I'm not a right winger, I'm just kind of annoyed at how inept this show is at preaching to me. But that's the thing, Bob. This airs at midnight on Thursdays on Adult Swim between episodes of King of the Hill and King of the Hill. <laughs> 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 I don't think a lot of children are watching it at that time. And then it also airs on HBO Max, which is like, to me, just become like the adult cartoon channel. I'll tell you one thing, Matt. I bet you more children watch this than watch Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's why this got renewed, baby. <laughs> nobody, nobody has to rent a stupid jet that no one can see to fly a banner that no one can read far above uh, L.A. That's probably clogged with wildfire smoke right now. Yeah. Bobby giving way too much credit. He said jet. He meant like prop plane. Like, <laughs> sorry, prop, prop plane. <laughs> like, yeah. Like. You know, I'm, I'm I'm very prejudiced against airplanes, Matt. I go to an I go to an airport and I just say you all look the same to me. I just I just want to I just want to imagine Bob though that all like the streaming services saw that and just had no clue what the fuck they were talking about and didn't even acknowledge it. That would make me happy. Well, I just love the picture you sent me. Was just like I you you couldn't even see the banner. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it was just like this is the thing that they're using to promote the success of this promotional thing that they took people's money for and like you know i get it like i'm not a purist i i don't give much to charity i spend a lot of money on disposable stuff to amuse myself like i'm not a good person i'm not saying i am but like can you imagine spending $200 when people are starving because of the war in ukraine and you're spending $200 to like put a banner out for a stupid cart the worst cartoon ever made for a jet or for a prop plane and then it won't even be readable like can you imagine <laughs> bob but it gets even better see a lot of people think they're doing good so they then take the plane and photoshop it out and turn it into either like one of the shuttlecraft or the uh, enterprise uh, see i mean have they thought <laughs> have they thought about magnifying it so you can actually read what's on the sign that's my question or I don't know, have they thought about just sending a bunch of emails or standing outside of Netflix with a poster board sign? <laughs> it's about I, yeah. the same. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, I don't want to tell people to just be passive consumers, but I kind of just want to tell people to be like passive consumers. This whole like, this whole like fandom into activism thing, it's weird and it's wrong, I, I feel like. And I'll be honest, I don't think any kids were watching Prodigy. 
Nope, not a nope. well. No, again, let us put the caveat on there. Not a single kid is watching Prodigy voluntarily. There you go. <laughs> I do believe that there are abusive Trekkie parents who force their children to watch that terrible show. I do yeah. believe that 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 phenomenon happens, like Clockwork Orange style. But no, I don't believe any child voluntarily watches Prodigy. <laughs> That's the truth. So, Matt, I, I did kind of want to pose a, a quick philosophical question to you based off something else. You said you said if, you know, this episode had come earlier in the season, we probably wouldn't watch it now. Um, to you, like, what makes a show, like, watchable for us? Because I was thinking the main things we've thought about covering and then just stopped were, like, Titans and Star Trek Prodigy. And I, I was just curious. I mean, obviously, Titans and Star Trek Prodigy are both kind of bad, but is there is there something else to it? Because there hasn't been a decent Superman animated cartoon since we grew up that's yeah. worth watching, other than Justice League appearances, but that's not the... I mean, just and a Superman-centric yeah. with his characters, his plots, his... Yeah. We haven't had one of those... For so long. So we're, th- we're thirsty for it, whereas we're spoiled for choice about live-action superheroes and about Star Trek. Yes, and this show is 30 minutes, or yeah. even less than that, honestly. Because it, Yeah, more like so 22, it's I think. easy to quick to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very quickly disposable. And I, I don't mind the actual... The dialogue is okay sometimes. It does hit some of the good beats of Superman, but just... The, the way the villains are presented, I think, has really caused us to just not like it as much. And then, like you mentioned earlier, some of the woke type of stuff that's you know propagating itself within. But again, <laughs> I, and it's not just that it's woke. Like you know, Star Trek: Strange New World. It's poorly done woke show. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I I, I love it. Um, although I also think like Star Trek: Strange New Worlds like trolls right wing conspiracy theories. I believe, whereas this show, I think just. Uh, just validates right-wing conspiracy theories, and I think there's an important distinction. The other thing, too, Bob, is DC has literally, like, saturated the market with Batman for years and years and years. (laughs) And then you finally get something with Superman that seems like it could be okay. Well, weirdly, we seem to be, like, in, like, the most Superman media-focused moment in years between this and Superman Lois and... His relative prominence, you know, granted this is older, but his relative prominence in the Snyder stuff as opposed to Batman. Yeah, I mean, he had he, he definitely he had his own movie. Really, he kind of he had he had his own solo film in the Snyderverse, and then he had you know Batman v Superman, which was more screen time probably for him. And then even though he's dead for most of Justice League, he's still the narrative focus of that film in a way. Right, he's the Deus Ex Machina. Sort of, sort of. Sort of. He comes back from the dead, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's not that's not in, entirely what that means. But God, okay. God, God did it, Bob. God brought him back from the dead. Not Kryptonia technology. All right, back to what we're talking about. <laughs> back to what we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, no. So, okay, I, you know, that. So it's partially that there is enough continuity in the show for us to talk about. Yes. It's partially that it's only twenty-two minutes. It's partially that we're starved. I would say in general we're just starved for DC anim like DC animation in general. Like other than Harley Quinn, there's nothing else going on, right? Right, and just like I said to you, the whole the Batman saturation thing is there's so many Batman at this point, it's hard to keep up with. I can I honestly forget Pattinson was Batman until I see a picture of him. I'm like, oh yeah, he was in a Batman movie recently. 
<laughs> I'm still getting over like uh, Affleck. Yeah. Well, I definitely do, st- even with bat saturation. I mean, unless it just turns out to be terrible. Like, I'm really excited to talk about uh, the Cape Crusader show with you, even though that seems to be a bad name for the type of show that I. it looks like it is just based off what they've said about it and the couple, like, images. You don't want to review the show Gotham Knights, Bob? Um, I am going to probably force Noah to watch it at least a couple episodes with me, but I probably... I probably won't do that till next year because there's a couple of there's a couple of other shows I want to finish. You know, I, I don't think I'm actually going to have enough TV shows to do even a top five list for 2023. But there's a couple of other shows I want to power through just in case I do. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And Bob, after you watch that, we can watch Pennyworth all three seasons. <laughs> be great. That'll never happen. That'll you know, Batman's happen. Butler. That's a great show. Uh, definitely we're not going to do, there would be no way we would ever do week-to-week coverage of Gotham Knights. That, that's insane. I might I might f- also try to force you to just watch a chunk of it and then let's talk, do one episode about <laughs> it. <laughs> that might be fun. All right, Bob. So what else in this episode? Ah, uh, man. Yeah. Uh, what else is there? I don't know. Um, there is an all-star Superman homage specifically. It's like the cover of one of the trades of the newer edition where Superman is like descending very angelic from the clouds. And you have a, you have a visual image of that with Superman descending to Lois and Jimmy after the battle of the Kaiju. Very similar. And with the music on this episode, there was this slight like nod to the parade march, you know, the, the Superman movie march. It wasn't the actual okay. march, but you could just hear the, the same type of bells. <laughs> it was like, uh, dun, dun. Okay. I, I was like, catch that. Hmm, Good catch. that sounds Good a catch. lot. And I only know that because I've heard that march like a bajillion times in my life. If you ever played if... the uh, uh-huh. the Lego video games, anytime you're Superman, it just plays that march the whole time, nonstop, <laughs> on loop. And it does the uh, Danny Elfman Batman theme when you play as Batman, nonstop, nice. on loop. <laughs> I wonder if that um, image of him descending is maybe I'm I'm calling it a, a, like you know from Frank Quietly's art for All Star Superman, but maybe it's actually quietly like referencing one of probably the first Reeve movie. I don't know. So Bob, this is the first time that the name Checkmate is actually dropped for the organization that operates Task Force X. That's correct, right? Yeah, we haven't heard it before. Um, so for people who don't know. They were, they're kind of another DC spy organization. There was a Checkmate book that was, it spun out of Vigilante, which spun out of Teen Titans. And the original series, I I say this with respect because I like the writer, Paul Kupperberg, but the original series is not that good. But it was coming out around the same time as Suicide Squad, and it crossed over a couple times with the original Suicide Squad in the late 80s, early 90s. And the thing with Checkmate was it was like a chess-themed espionage organization, and so you would have different ranks, and, you know, queens and kings were the highest. You'd have knights as the main field agents, that sort of thing. And later, I think more in the aughts, around the time of Infinite Crisis, they merged Checkmate into, like, you know, it was always in the DC Universe, but it wasn't very prominent. And so they tried to really make it pretty prominent, Originally in the late 80s, Checkmate was like a rival organization to Task Force X, which was the, the, the government name for the Suicide Squad. But in later versions, I think it's more like the relationship you see here where Task Force X is like a subset of Checkmate. 
regardless, I, I guess it's nice to hear. And if people are interested, there is a very good uh, Greg Rucka, Jesus Saez series from the from the aunts called Checkmate that's worth reading. But that said, they didn't use the chess theme. And why in the world would you have Checkmate but not use the chess theme? It doesn't make sense to me. You want to know why, Bob? Why? Because all those members of Task Force X were pawns. hey Nobody wants to be called a pawn. Yeah, which uh, probably means that Mandy Waller is a black queen and Sam Lane is the white king, which is very racist, and I don't think they should yeah, go Bob, there. I was going to call you out on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I pointed it out. I knew what I was doing. I, I remember Checkmate from the comics. I remember there were characters like Alan Scott and uh, Fire and Ice were involved with it at some point. Well, to, yeah, to, to, to come in on that. So originally in the late 80s, it was mostly more human characters. Like Harvey Bullock was in Checkmate for a while in the late 80s. That's but, it, okay. but when they brought Checkmate into... When they when they brought it more prominently crossover wise with the DCU, um, in the aughts in that Greg Rucka Hazy Site series, they used a lot more superheroes and yeah, you would have characters like I don't know that Ice was actually involved, but you're right that Alan Scott and uh, Fire were both in the Checkmate hierarchy. Mister Terrific was as well. One more thing I want to talk about is this: the relationship between Clark and Lois is just way too fast. Um, is this how the writers think love actually works, or is this just like how anime works? Do you know, do you have any idea? Oh, oh, so by too fast, you mean they've just kind of gone way too quickly into like declarations of love? Yeah, they're already like in love with each other and like hugging each other and flying in space. He, she already knows his identity. There's just so much like coming together. I guess it kind of like does go back to the old school Superman movie though, because Lois and Superman fell in love pretty quick. Not Clark and Lois, though, but she didn't know he was one and the same until the second movie. I mean, in fairness, they have just been gone through, like, really, really intense, uh, not, I hate using this word so much, but they've gone through really intense trauma, Matt. Trauma. Superman's, Superman's been tortured, Lois has been lied to, blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't think it's psychologically unrealistic that... Um, they're just so happy <laughs> they're both alive and able to see each other. Yeah, although, but yeah, I think the the quickness and some of the tropes of the relationship do feel very anime-esque, although, again, I say that from a position of pretty great ignorance of anime. I haven't watched much, but it, it fits my conceived notion of what a lot of anime is like. Um, yeah, I don't know. It also is kind of interesting because since so much of the tension of season one was about, like, the secret identity and, like, you know, just general, like, will they, won't they? I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what the show is like after that's over. I think it might be a better show, but you also wonder just, like, how much of a show is there left? Well, that's a good question, Bob, because we get this thing at the end of the episode, the Omega laser gun. <laughs> yeah, I sure we sure do, Matt. We sure do. The Omega laser gun. Who shoots Omega beams, Bob? Oh, I surely they don't mean that. That is exactly surely. what they mean. No, no. Oh, yes, Sam Bob. Lane. No, no. Sam Lane You're is wrong. Dark Side, Bob. He will become Dark Side. If Sam Lane becomes Dark Side in the next episode, I might like stop my notes the moment that happens. That's not happening. But imagine no. that, Bob. The the father of your girlfriend becomes your worst enemy. No, he's a god of evil from another dimension. No, Sam Lane is. But he's not got an Omega laser. Dark Side. <laughs> also, like, what is the, what is the, 
what what is this show? The goddamn Hulk? Like yeah. <laughs> they're turning Sam, Sam they're gonna turn Sam Lane into Thunderbolt Ross? No. Yeah. I mean, we, no. We, you, I call, we called it the beginning of the of this Bob though. You know we did because we both said I guarantee you by the end of the end of the season we're gonna after we met Sam Lane I said I guarantee you Sam Lane is gonna become some badass dude at the end of this and have to fight Superman and Lois is gonna have to choose between her father and her boyfriend. I. If he or would, if he or, does... or or mm-hmm. <laughs> oh oh shoot or Sam Lane becomes Dark Side or some evil being or whatever with this gun and Superman thinks he needs to laser him and he's hovering over him you know about to shoot his heat vision who's got that kryptonite uh yeah, yeah. yeah. choose to save her father save Superman who's right who's wrong none of this sounds promising none this of is this sounds promising. But I, I you, listeners, you do have my solemn word that if Sam Lane becomes Dark Side on screen, I will I will stop my notes right at that moment. And if we do even do an episode on that episode, it will for me. I will I will stop working at that moment. <laughs> like that's terrible. Bob will go on strike. He will be. <laughs> and I want to add too, folks, that I've been wrong before in the past. I thought no. I was Metallo for eight no. episodes. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt's been mistaken. No, that doesn't uh, no. Never, Only occasionally. Never, never. All right. Well, this has been our weird coverage of the latest Superman cartoon. Uh, we are on Candy Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>